Poetic Properties is a complex creation brought to you by Infinitely Complex Production and sponsorship with Peacefully Flawed Apparel, where we believe that no matter the darkness, you have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Thank you for tuning in to the Poetic Property Podcast. I am your host, Complex, the poet, father, author, and entrepreneur. This week was pretty crazy for me. Um, Pretty much the same things that's been going on that I'm trying to get a hold of, work stuff, relationship stuff, kid stuff, just trying to continue to get a handle on it and and still maintain, you know, my mental space and peace. Um, Got some good news from the doctor when I went, so I'm happy about that. Um, Some of my health issues um, are turning around with, you know, exercise and me taking the right steps that I'm supposed to do to maintain my health. So very pleased about that. I chose this week, you know, to try my hardest and not allow work to um, take that much of a toll on me, you know, on my on my personal. I'm finding that, you know, I'll be off work and I'll still be frustrated, you know, throughout the day, like having anxiety and panic attacks just at the idea of having to log in to work and stuff like that. So Last week, I, I tried to make an effort to, like, as soon as I start feeling the, that high level of anxiety or irritation to, you know, take a breather, do a quick meditation, um, to uh, try to settle, try to settle myself. So just trying to take, you know, extra steps to maintain my peace and in, in, in my, my mental health, you know, because it's, it's difficult out here um, dealing with the, the level of of stress that I have to deal with on a um, daily ba- uh, basis. But, you know, we're getting there, you know. Um, anything worth worth having is worth fighting for, and I, I take that very seriously as a result to my mental health. This is a, it's a daily fight of cl- keeping my mind clear as possible um, and attempting to maintain as much peace as, as I can, you know, facing the reality that perfection does not exist helps me so that when things do happen, um, I'm not really uh, tripping, like really tripping out. Just, you know, I'm human. So the things that affect me, they affect me. And, you know, I'm learning how to not feel like the world is completely over when um, things come up against me. Just, you know, trying to make sure that, um, even when I talk about it out loud, right? Try to make sure that it's more of me venting and not just me complaining. And for me, the difference between venting and complaining is, um, complaining is you just sitting there crying about it, taking no action to improve it, you know, having no care to, to improve it, just wanting to sit in that darkness or sit in that pain and really just talk about it. Venting, on the other hand, is, feeling the emotion that you have, the pain, the hurt, the confusion, the chaos, um, and actually attempting to do something about it, trying to change whatever it was that created that issue, that pain. Um, it, rather, if it's, you know, something that you have to do yourself, like in my case, um, as far as exercise and changing my diet, um, if it's having to remove people from, you know, from your space, Um, from your surroundings because it's not healthy for you. So it's like, you know, when you are, when you are venting, you have to make sure that you're venting with purpose, you know, uh, don't just have that emotion and feel how you feel and continue to stay in the same, uh, the same situations, uh, and connected to the same people that are creating this chaos. And if you are the one creating the chaos, you have to take a, a deep look within yourself and soul search so that you can try to change and be better for the people around you. And not even that, more so be better for yourself so that you can be a better parent, sibling, um, partner, uh, employee, owner, or what have you, right? Um, I'm just, it, it, it's, it's been a week. It's been a week. You know, um, and one of the, the best and worst things that, that I've learned and experienced during uh, this path that I'm on is um, having hard conversations, uh, both uh, both trying to uh, hear them and, you know, initiating them when, when needed. A lot of us go into a, a level of panic and discomfort, and it's an insane feeling because we don't grow up having those conversations, right? 
we don't grow up having difficult conversations. We don't really know. Um, we don't really know if our parents are financially struggling. We don't know, you know, the the, the family ins and outs. You know, they tell us a kid stay in a kid's place. You know, you don't need to know this. You don't need to worry yourself with this. You don't need to worry yourself with that. So now as adults, when we have to have these conversations where we're in financial struggle, where we're in difficult relationships, where we, you know, we have this issue, like I, I said a few weeks ago, like when you're in the space of having resentment towards parenthood and stuff like that, it's, you can't really have those conversations. It feels super crazy to to say those things and be a part of those things out loud. Um, and it's honestly because there is this shield for whatever reason that when we're when we're kids that you know our elders put in front of us like I don't like I don't understand it to a certain degree because for whatever whatever reason I think I think at a certain degree they think it's protection right like they're protecting us from the reality of of life. And so they want us to, you know, remain kids as long as we can and, and keep our imagination and, you know, and not have to deal with the stress of life. The problem with that is that it's a thin line between balance and that. Like on one hand, you could you could shield someone too much. And when that happens and you let them out, because unfortunately in, in our culture, you got to leave when you graduate. That's just that's just what it is. And so if you've shielded someone their entire life from the reality of life, from financial problems, from um employment problems, relationship problems, um, if you if if you've place in front of them this idea that perfection exists and then you let them into the wild, the first instance of adversity that they get is going to break them. They're not going to understand what to do. They're not going to understand, you know, that people aren't fair. They're not going to understand the, the shadiness of landlords. They're not going to understand the disrespect that comes with working, you know, a job in how you're seen as just a number and not a human being. They're not going to understand that because we don't have those conversations, right? You know, every if you look at all the TV shows in the, the 80s and 90s, it was just... Um, you know, the, the, the dad going to work and, and being stressed and never really telling the kids of what they had to do to get through that day um, of work is just, oh, you know, work was work was good or work was bad. And so for me, I have those conversations with the kids to let them know, like, this this is ass. Like, I'm not even going to hold you. Like, they, they disrespectful. They, they treat you just like a number. Um, there's no personal connections at, at all in, in anything, for real, if you really, really want to be honest when it comes to corporate America. Like, yeah, you, you, you gain friends or, you know, peers that you kind of become cordial with at work. But in the grand scheme of things, everybody is for themselves. And you don't know that, right? You you grow up, you feel like, oh, because you, you see your... You see your your neighborhood people hanging around with people, you know, they work with. And the reality of it is, is that they hang with each other because they live with each other, live clo in close proximity to each other. Not necessarily that it was a real friendship um, that was forged. Right. And so when you go to work and, and you, you hear them all the time, oh, we're a family here. We're a family here. But, you know, they'll they'll fire you in a second. Or they'll, you know, they'll get down on you like you're, you're a family up until you make an error or a mistake. And then now it's like, oh, I'm going to write you up. I'm going to do this. Like, it's no real communication um, to rectify. You know, it, it, it turns into threats and stuff. And so when you don't have that, that when you don't know how to have those hard conversations and you have to deal with that, now you're broken because now you're, you're feeling like, Oh, I'm at this job. This job is family. And you know, family don't, don't do you like this, yada, yada, whatever. And then it's like, yo, like this is crazy. Right. You get in these situations to where you're, you're dealing with people, um, you know, you have to rent from and you realize that it's, it's not always fair. Right. Like it, it just, it just isn't like, um, and life isn't life isn't fair, right? On the flip side of that, on the flip side of shielding someone too much, 
and not allowing them, you know, the proper preparation in life. Um, on the flip side of that is not shielding them enough. When you don't have proper balance in what you talk about and what you show your your kids or kids in general, you take away their imagination. You take away their their optimism in life. And it creates this, this young, hard, callous soul. And it's difficult to break from that when your reality is 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 so harsh at such a young age. I've been in situations, um, I've been in situations that I know shaped me for the worse. Like our minds are beyond, are, are, are beyond fragile. And it really takes daily care to nurture, even as adults, right? I think about uh, people I know, you know, myself included, who was exposed to high levels of tragedy and trauma. My outlook on life is is different. I don't have the luxury of um, imagining. I don't have the 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 luxury of hoping for better. Right? As as hard as I like really just try to be optimistic about life and feel like, you know, if I just keep going and keep working, you know, it'll get better. You know, things will, will, will start going in my favor. As much as I am openly trying to do that, I do it so often because I'm trying to fight the reality of being exposed to what I was exposed to, you know, in the era that I was, that I was raised in. I look at some of the, the, I look at some of my friends and, and how far they could be in life, right? But because we were exposed to the life that we were at such young ages, we're not, right? We have to deal with the cards that we were dealt, literally, right? And so a lot of things were, you know, people want to travel the world and they want to do this and do that. Like, we don't have that, that thought. Like yesterday, like someone asked me, do I have a bucket list? And I was like, nah. And then it hit me like I never I, I never created a bucket list because I wasn't in the position as a youth and just growing up to even think that I could do things outside of the neighborhood. Right. Like I, I left uh, I left home um, in 2005. Prior to that, the the idea of me being able to get out of my hometown my home state, like that was not a reality, right? Like I'd never been out of this, uh, never been out of the state before I had moved here to Arizona. Like never, like the most that I had, the most, the, uh, the furthest that I had traveled from my home was two hours away. No, four hours away. That was it. I hadn't been, you know, I hadn't been no further. And then all of a sudden it was just like the reality of like, you know, moving out of state became real. And I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Right. And so that's because when you're when you growing up in an era, when you're dealing with poverty, you're dealing with, you know, um, uh, parental issues, you're dealing your, your parents are dealing with each other in a negative light. So you don't have the hope and you don't have have the the aspirations to do anything but to just be different than what the situation is right a lot of us you know you hear stories where i just wanted to get as far away from my hometown as, as as i could right and even though that thought was at one point in my mind it was like how though nobody taught me how to travel nobody even you know like and and i'm just I'm going to be honest with you. I think the first time that I even like the reality of me, um, the reality of me going out of state didn't come until my eldest brother moved to Atlanta. And then my brother right above me went and uh, went to college in Missouri. Had they not done it, had they not uh, done it first, I would have never had the idea or even thought to even go anywhere. 
right? Flying to Atlanta and seeing the difference in there. Um, you know, flying to Missouri, seeing the difference there. It just, it, it opened my eyes to, to like, all right, cool. Like there, there is something outside of Pasadena, California, right? There, there is something, uh, that I could do, but it, it took a while for that thought to, to come to fruition because again, we don't have those kind of conversations. You know, there's one thing that my biological father, like he never wanted us to stay where we were, where we were raised. Like that was one thing that I can remember about something that he's always wanted for me and my siblings was for us to get away from that area. And I don't know if it was because he felt stuck there and he felt like he, you know, he wasted time just staying, you know, home. And that was just an aspiration of his. Um, but through the turmoil and, and, and bad relationship with him and the on and off again relationship with him, that's something that sticks with me that he never wanted us to stay at home. Like he wanted us to all, you know, to grow up and just get out of there. And me and my brothers, we did. Right. My younger siblings, um, his younger kids still still are there. So I don't know if that was something that he told that he wants for them, too. But I, for sure, me and my brothers, we are we share the same mom and dad. And so that was just something that he just wanted us to get out. But because we were. We were exposed to domestic violence early, uh, to gang violence early, to suicide early. Um poverty, you know, even though, you know, it wasn't conversations like we we saw that other kids was was having the nice shoes, the nice clothes. And, you know, we were at Payless and um, and the thrift store and stuff like that. Right. We wasn't we wasn't dumb, you know, but we didn't have we didn't have a conversation of the why. Right. Um, and I feel like that's very, very important to have with your kids when when they start recognizing the difference. Like none of me or my brothers are materialistic, even going through what we went through in life. None of us are materialistic, but we uh, we understood that, you know, for a while it was a, a poverty stricken time. I wish that we would have had a conversation about that. You know, our parents would have really set us down and talked to us about finances, talked to us about, you know, how taxes work, talked to us about, you know, how, you know, paychecks work and stuff like that. Um, but they were they were working themselves. You know, my mom sometimes working two jobs. My uh, my father that raised me, you know, pretty much like me, uh, getting up five in the morning, not getting home six thirty seven at night. So it's like a, what like what time do you really have? Right. Other than, you know, um, helping us with homework. Like what time do you really have for those those hard conversations? And that's for like for me, that's why, like, I take time. I make sure that, um, you know, at least, you know, once or twice a week that I that I take time to have a conversation uh, with the kids, whether it's a hard conversation or not. When things come up, if it has like like I just have a policy that anything that's happening with me that, you know, that's going to affect them, it's their business. I know a lot of parents don't feel that way. Um, and that's, that's, that's fine. I don't, I don't judge them, but I just kind of feel like they have a voice, right? Like if I have to move abruptly, I have a conversation with them. Um, I think I told you guys before, uh, if I'm, if I'm getting ready to get in a relationship, I tell them, Hey, I'm, I'm interested in someone and we're having conversations and, if the if it goes to a different level, you know, I tell them that, you know, I'm big on not bringing people around my kids, though, until I know it's a it's a real thing or a possibility of a real thing, uh, because I don't want them to to be the kids that, you know, everybody is their auntie. Right. It's not cool for me. Right. I don't I don't I don't like I don't like the idea of that. I'm not trying to act holier than thou. Like I know life is life and uh, everybody has sneaky links and jump offs and stuff like that. And completely fine with that. Like I tell you all the time, like a hoe is life. It's cool. Whatever. That's the life that you chose. But for me, I don't bring people around. my. I don't bring people around my kids. I do have conversations with them. Like if I'm talking to someone, how it's going, um, and stuff like that, you know, uh, even if it's if it's money, like I told you guys, I took a financial hit. Right. I don't think that my parents would have took that financial hit and had a conversation with us about it. But I, I did. 
because it affected them, you know? And that's what it's, that's what life is about, right? I can't sit here and keep buying PlayStation games and keep buying the food that they want and keep buying the clothes and, and shoes that they want and, you know, not tell them, hey, like, I got to work hella overtime for us to get the, the, the wants, right? So I need y'all to show a little bit more appreciation. I can't, you know, like, like I tell them, like, when I'm going to full-fledged give myself to a relationship, you know, we have those conversations. Yo, what, what about this? What if we have to move here for this? What if we have to move, like, like, what if I find a relationship and that relationship is not here in Arizona? Like, what? You know, and then we have real conversations about it. You know, what if I get this job or what, like, what if I switch this and I have to physically go into work? How do y'all feel about that? Because I want them to see the reality of how it works, you know, when, you know, because I rent right now, right? So when when things go on, I talk to them about it. Hey, this is what this is. This is what it is. Because I want them to be able to understand if they have to face this level of, of adversity in life, they're prepared for it, right? Yeah, it's not going to be the same exact thing, but they're going to have... Uh, they're going to have the conversations that we have, the actions that I have of just letting them in and seeing what it's about, right? I show them, hey, look, technically this is how much money I make, but after the government does their thing, this is what I come home with. So they can get in their mind like, you know, oh shit, like I don't want to get hype because I make $30 an hour and the paper says, you know, uh, uh, 60,000, but then I come home with 30 and they were like, you know, I don't want them to get hype. I want them to understand that what taxes are, how it happens. I don't want them to, to understand you get paid in a two week period. You know, when you, when you have a corporate America type job, um, I, I talked to them about being essential workers right now. My son is an essential worker. He works at the grocery store, right? Just letting him know those type of things. You know, when it comes to relationships, the difficulty in, in how to maneuver through them. One of my oldest son, my oldest son, he's actually going through something right now with, you know, with his girlfriend or what have you. And I just I, I gotta talk him through it and when he's ready. Right? He didn't want to talk about it yesterday. I hey, all right, cool. I gave him, you know, hey, this is what you have to do right now in this moment, but you don't have to talk about it fully until you're ready. Because I had conversations with him when I was going through stuff um, with his mother. Because I had conversations with them when me and my uh, my ex broke up. Because that my um, my ex, her and I were engaged, so she knows them um, and they know her. They had a very good connection with her. So when when it wasn't no more. I had to have a conversation with them and explain to them why they wouldn't be seeing her no more, uh, why they wouldn't be seeing her kids anymore. I had to have that conversation. I couldn't just let it be, oh, we broke up because they had a connection, right? And these conversations are really hard. We don't think about these things when, um, when we're maneuvering because there is a level of selfishness that we have, not even on purpose, it's a level of selfishness because we don't know how to deal. And so now when, when, when we're faced with these situations to where we have to even initiate, it creates anxiety. You get your, like your heart get to pound. You get that lump in your throat, not because you're scared. It's because like, what is this? I never had to do this. I never had to initiate this. Um, and I never have received these type of conversations. The hardest conversations we get are in school. And it has to deal with grades. That's the one thing that across the board, me and my friends all have in common when it comes to life. Mess up in school if you want to. You'll get a lecture from everybody in your family. Those are the hard, those are the only time you have to deal with hard conversation because you deal with the, you want to be like your uncle such and such. They've been in this deadbeat job for this, that, and long because they refused to go to college. Because they wanted to play around in school. Because they was getting suspended and getting... Ex like, then you're like, wait, hold on. Uncle such and such got expelled? Auntie did what? 
And then it's like, don't worry about that. You need to focus on boom, boom, boom. So when you get to asking questions and inquiring, like, okay, wait, tell me more. Don't worry about all that. Stay in your place. And so a lot of that get gets lost. And like I like I always say, like for me, I'm so open with these kids and I'm I'm so open with my feelings in general because I don't want to be on my deathbed and have this national treasure type secret and be like, go look in the ah, and then it's over. When I could just be honest and I could just talk to my kids and I could just have the hard conversations with with them, um, having hard conversations with, with my sibling. Like I, I, I remember when I got sick the last time and I was like I was so scared to tell my brother, but the one that I um, the one that's my father. Right. And so I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that it wasn't right. I didn't know. You know, I didn't know what, like my, my, like, I know now that it was, it's, uh, it's an autoimmune uh, disease that I have that attacks my muscles, right? Um, and I already have, you know, uh, heart issues or at the time. And so I'll never forget, I think that was like, like, far as I remember, that was the only time that he's ever been mad at me. And that was difficult. And, I know he was mad out of concern more than anything because I didn't tell him that something was even wrong. And the call that he got was, I think I was already two, three days in inpatient. Like I didn't call him to come down. Like I didn't call him, Hey, come get the kids. Like it was just straight up. He in the hospital, don't know. And he he kind of tore into me, like, don't ever, don't ever let nobody tell me something wrong with you to this effect. Don't ever do that. And I mean, I'm not gonna get into the the full details of the conversation, but that was a, a hard conversation. Now I can tell it was a hard conversation for him to initiate, but it was also a hard conversation for me to hear because I know my brother loves me for real, but that day I understood what love was from him. And so I think about what it took to have that conversation. I think about what it took for me to receive that conversation and not get in my feelings and get a, get defensive. Like, well, I'm the one that's sick. I don't know why you're tripping. I immediately start thinking like if something happened to me, And he didn't even know that, you know, I was ill or he didn't even know that, you know, something was, was wrong. How devastating that's going to be for him, because I talked to him, you know, uh, about a lot of stuff. And it's like I don't hold secrets from from him. Like he he knows my darkest. He knows my darkest secrets. Right. But for whatever reason, I didn't want to. I didn't tell him. I didn't tell my oldest sibling, uh, my eldest sibling, like it was just, it was just me. It was me and my, uh, my ex, right? She's the one that's like, all right, you got, you got to tell somebody, because she was coming, she was, she was, she was spending the night, you know, um, making sure that they was doing what they were supposed to doing at the, the, the uh, hospital, you know, she was making sure she had. Uh, Take want to take care of her kids, want to work stuff, make sure I'm good. Um, the only one had had end up knowing is my mom and my father, because they came and they uh they watched the kids until I had ended up getting out of the hospital. But because I'm not used to having those hard conversations, I didn't tell my brother. I was I was scared to tell him. I didn't know how to initiate that with him. And so again, this is this is 2017, something like that. Like, it ain't like it was that far, like it was that long ago. I was an adult with kids. And so I learn and I'm still learning the importance of having these type of conversations and how fragile our minds are and the importance of uh, daily nurturing and understanding that it's not peaches and cream. And we have to be able to say the things that we need to say to whoever. 
right? I, I have a policy of, of life as long as it's not from hate, as long as I'm, I'm not speaking from a space of malice, I'm going to say what, I, what I'm going to say. I'm going to take into consideration my tone. I'm going to take into consideration, you know, my wording, but I'm going to say what, what is necessary for me to say, because I don't want to walk on eggshells. I don't want to give you a representative of who I, who I really am. I want you to experience me in totality so that you can gauge if this is a partnership that you are interested in having. And I mean that from relationships down to business. Like we don't, we don't get a, get a, uh, we don't get time to take off as a result to being good partners and good people. Some people, you know, thrive off negativity and chaos and, and they, they, they enjoy that space. But even then it takes time for you to have those hard conversations with yourself because even evil people, even negative people, they have a conscience. And regardless if they if they're strong enough to 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 fight the positive that is trying to come through or not, they have a conscience and they have to have those hard conversation with themselves that they want to remain chaotic, re, uh, remain evil and, and negative. They have to have those conversations. I don't care what nobody say. They're not going to tell us. But they have the, they, they, they it, it happens. Because, I, you know, I remember when I was in a negative space and I was boosting and stuff like that. Like, you know, and I'm like uh, in, in, in the front of my mind, I'm like, man, I got to do this to survive. I got to do this because of this. Like I'm working in um, life ain't fair. Da, 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 da. So I'm out here boosting. But, you know, when I'm every, every time I, I boosted and, and made it safe, it's like, man, I, I shouldn't be doing that. You get a feeling in your heart. You get a feel like that lump in your throat. Like I just ruined something for somebody. Like. Not one time while I was boosting did I ever think about jail. The only thing I ever thought about was how I was affecting someone like someone else's life. But even that, having that hard uh, uh, reali uh, realization didn't stop me from doing what I did because the negative and the need and the, uh, uh, and the want was bigger than the peace because I felt like I was owed something. I felt like the world owed me something and if they wasn't going to give it to me, I was going to take it because I never had the conversation, the hard conversation of life is not fair. It does not give you the right to take from others, to harm others. I never had that conversation. A lot of things that I'm learning in life, I had to learn on my own. I'm telling you guys, I, I, I tell people all the time, I don't, I'm not against domestic violence because I was taught to be. When I came up, men was beating their women. I don't know anybody that went to jail for beating their women. If you don't have a conversation with children who witness that they grow up thinking it's okay to hit women. When you don't have the conversation of, when you don't have the conversation of, sorry, it's a mosquito. When you don't have the conversation of, hey, Keep your hands to yourself, man or man or woman. But you're 10 times stronger than a lot of women. Don't allow them to hit you either. But definitely you like when you don't have those conversations, you grow up and you think it's OK. And the reality of it is, is the way that life is until you. Are in a fight. No one tells you anything. I know that went a little bit that that went a little bit extreme, but I'm trying to. I'm just. I I I'm, I want you guys to understand how detrimental not having these tough talks are. A lot of people like that's why like when you when you're online and it's like oh you're you're shaming these people right I can't believe you, you like I can't believe you hit your man I can't believe you you hit your woman and then it's like I can't believe you hit them back yada yada whatever these people grew up like that 
Do you know how difficult it is to grow up and witness domestic violence and no one goes to jail? And then you grow up feeling like, oh, this is how you handle these situations, whether you're a woman or a man, right? This is how you handle these situations because you never seen no one get in trouble for it. And then after the fact, you never had the conversation of this is wrong. In your mind, y'all just caught the fade and it's whatever because y'all still together. You don't know it's fear. You don't know like it's a, a level of, of protection. You don't know that because you don't get to have those conversations. I'll never forget, you know, I'll never forget. Uh, it was a it was a situation after my parents had had broke up with my sister's mom. And she was injured and visibly. I kind of knew because of the history. But I was I remember asking, like, yo, what happened? She's like, yo, you don't know? And I said, no. She was like, all right, well, I can't really say nothing. My older brothers told me years later what, what happened. And it was what I thought it was. Um, it was what I thought it was. But again... Never had a conversation about it. Never had a, never, oh, that's wrong. Don't do, no, no, actually she did say, you know, just, just be different. I do remember that. Just, just, just be different. And so it's like, I think about it often about the conversations that weren't had. I think about the things that, that I had to learn on my own. Um, the things that do create the, the, uh, barriers in my life because morally how can I put this when you grow up and you see certain things and there's no consequence to them right and then as your mind starts to develop and you get your own emotions your own experiences you're like wait that's completely wrong you now have to fight almost 18 years of feeling like something was okay versus the two years you've been on your own and you're like, nah, that's, that's a little bit off. I don't, I don't think that that's right. Do you know how, how, how chaotic that is mentally when you're in situations? I've been in situations where I've been physically abused by my partners. I'm not proud to say that, but I have. I've been in a situation where I've been verbally and mentally abused by my partners. But I look at that and I'm, I was raised by my mother who is a victim of domestic violence. She never fought back in front of us. We've heard stories of her, you know, fighting back and, and, and stuff like that, but she never fought back in front of us. And then she never, you know, she she never allowed us to to hate him. She never allowed us to have malice towards him. So it's like, all right, I, I gotta have forgiveness. My mom, my mom forgave. That's all I know. But then morally, I'm like, no, I'm like, no. There's nothing. There's nothing in in life that should okay abuse in any way. And that's where we get into those hard conversations of, all right, nah. You know, for me, like I said before, you know, I, because I don't have, because I never had to deal with it. Like when I'm in bad situations, like even in relationships, you know, um, I just walk away. Ain't no closure. Ain't no, we broke up. Like you don't get to treat me like this. Once, once like you treat me a certain way and I'm like, like, all right. This right here indicates we not together because you don't respect me as a human being. How you putting your hands on me, how you speaking to me. Ain't no need of me saying we don't go together. You show me that we don't go together. So I'm going to get away from you. So I'm going to get away from you. As adults, when you go through that, you have no idea how to live life. You have no idea what partnership is. You have no idea what friendship is. Right? I remember very, very young, very young, um, finding out that um, baby James, right? We was in the Jordan Down Projects. We was kids. Um, 
he had to be my eldest brother's age, maybe 14 at the time. Uh, not even. I think he was a little bit older than, than my eldest brother. But I remember finding out that he had uh, committed suicide uh, diving into an empty pool. I had no clue what mental health issues was. Every oh, He was probably high. I remember him always coming to the window and my mom giving him uh, sugar bread or bread or sugar. He always wanted something. But my mom was always like, all right, here. Right? I remember the same projects. I remember seeing, you know, two dudes by, about to fight. One put out a gun, one put out a, a, a knife. And I remember it because the knife, for whatever reason, had a, a, a yellow bike handlebar grip, like, on, like as the, uh, where you hold it at. Right. I've seen I've seen dead bodies. Like I've 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 cut I've cut hair of a deceased person. You know, I held I held my 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 dead daughter. So it's like. These things take out the optimism of life. These things ruin your imagination. They damper your, your hope. And unless you have the conversations about it, it's going to stay within you and it's going to kill you from the inside out. So it's imperative that when we go through these situations, we talk about it. No matter how hard it seems to talk about, you know, yeah, allow yourself to grieve, allow yourself to process and stuff, but don't just don't just hold it in. A lot of us inner city kids, we don't have the luxury of peaceful sleep. These memories and these ideas that uh, that come in in at a, rep a repetitive state in our minds, it 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 tears us up. Any hardship we go across uh, or go through, and it triggers us to when we was little, we're lost. We're stuck there because again, it's like, oh shit, I remember my parents had a time like this. But it was no conversation of how they got out of it. It was no conversation of how they made it through or what they had to do. Right. So it's just like if you're going through bad relationship stuff and you never had that conversation with your parents about relationships, you don't know what to do. You get fired from a job. You never had a conversation about that. With your parents, you don't know what to do. You feel less than. You feel like it's a personal attack. You get, you know, all emotional and stuff like that. Not realizing this is just how life works. It's simple things and simple conversations that could be had that could have been had that aren't. And a lot of us parents now, you know, we're teaching our kids in a different way. We, a lot of us, especially for myself, like I said, I'm, I'm more reality based because the reality is for us inner city kids, like we don't. We don't have that luxury. A lot of us aren't prepared. Like the, the 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 most irritating line, like now that I'm an adult and now that I like I'm I'm 17, like come this Friday, I'll be 17 years in this parent game. One of the dumbest and I wanna say dehabilitating uh, de statements that you can say and that you can uh, put on your kids is that a kid needs to stay in a kid's place. I'm not raising kids. I'm not raising men. I'm not raising women. I am raising human beings. And if I keep them in a place of a child their entire life, they will not be prepared when it's time for them to be released into the wild. No, I don't tell my kids 100% of what's going on. However, anything that I know is a possibility that they're going to go through, whether it be relationships or work, when it happens to me, I'm like, hey, come here. Let me, let me, let me, you know, whether good or bad, it's not just the bad stuff. Like I had an opportunity to meet with someone at Def Jam, um, and to me, the meeting was good. I told the kids, they got overly excited, yada, yada, whatever. Um, and they getting hyped, but I had, to, I had to stop them. Hey, relax. It's just a meeting. Ain't nobody made no promises. Ain't no, like, nobody, like, nobody said nothing. 
wasn't an offer other than a meeting. Whether they ever call me back or not, it is what it is. But I had to have that conversation with them so they'll understand, hey, this is what this is, yada, yada, whatever, because this is something that could potentially affect us for the, for the better. But don't get too hype. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm very much an evil, uh, uh, evil. I'm very much an equal playing field type person. I like to think about the best and I like to think about the worst so that I can settle in the middle of whatever that emotion is going to be. Right. But I had to have a conversation with them because they're like, well, what is this? What is that? I had the conversation with them. Well, this is how this worked. This is how that worked. So because all of them are, uh, one is an artist, one is into uh, anime, um, one is a hand artist, one is a digital artist, one wants to be a DJ. These are spaces that I'm in and have connections to. So when I have situations, conversations that might help them with their endeavors as they get older and get more passionate about their crafts, then I give them the information. That wasn't done for me. Whatever these kids say they want to be when I grow up, I get like, all right, I want to be an animator. All right, boom, here. I, I don't I don't care. Here. Yeah, it frustrates me because it's like I want to be an animator, and then it's like, oh, I want to be in robotics. Well, you about to have robotics and animation stuff so that whenever you want to put your hands on it, you're going to put your hands on it. I don't force them to do sports. I don't force them to do anything. I listen, I observe, and I, I, I see the things that they're interested in. When I see it enough, I'm like, hey, what do you need for that? What do you want to be in life? I initiate those conversations. It's difficult. It's difficult because I never had that. Right. I come up in a time to where you are a gang member or athlete. That's just what it is. Even the parents understood that. I never seen one of my gang members, friends, parents tripping because they understood. I mean, most of those people that were gang banging, they were still very, very great at sports. But a lot of us, we had to grow up extremely quick, extremely quick and, and not even on no like like crazy stuff. Like I said, my mom worked. My mom worked two jobs a lot of times. So a lot of times, me and my brothers, we was at home by ourselves, cleaning, cooking, you know, doing our homework by ourselves, getting ourselves in a bath, going to sleep, right? That's not necessarily a bad thing. Did it affect us in a, in a certain way? Yeah, because she had two jobs and we didn't see her a lot, you know? But my mom, one thing she did, she made, uh, she made it a point that every two Fridays or every, by every other Friday, we would go to the arcade uh, called the tilt. And it's funny because I believe we got a dollar 25 each or a dollar 50 each. And we, that was when the games was a quarter. And we thought that that was like so much money, but she, every other Friday, she made sure she did that because she worked those two jobs so often. And the, that was her time of showing us like, All right, I, I got y'all. Right. And though I'm grateful for that, I wish, you know, we would have had more conversations all around. Like we'd send a claw away through through the workforce with no end soul and in, in, uh, with no end goal in sight. Like we fight through relationships, not knowing how to maneuver for real, because how who who's going to be the one to sit down and and um, and give a perspective that is without bias Right. Because if I if I come to my parents, like you, you my parents, so you're going to be on my side. If you go to if she go to her parents, that's her parents going to be on her side. It's very rare that you have conversations with people and they're like, all right, I don't I don't care if you my kid or not. I don't care if you my sibling or not. Like this is what the reality of the situation is until you have those type of conversations. You don't you don't know. You don't, you just, you, you don't know. A lot of us, be, uh, uh, because we needed those conversations growing up, a lot of us give up on everything that creates adversity. And we hide behind like, oh, this ain't for me. Like this, this, this person ain't for me. Like oh, this situation not for me. Because we don't know how to communicate. And if we understood the value of communication, a lot of our relationships would be way better. We would be able to, to get through life way better. Like the value of mistakes and overcoming again. Like I'm not talking about abuse. 
I'm not talking about consistent bad behavior, bad vibes. I'm saying when you when it's a learning opportunity, learn from it. When it's a teaching opportunity, you have to teach. But you can't do that without communication. You can't do that without having to have uh, your ego shattered. We're not perfect. We all we all go through things, and sometimes we're right, and sometimes we're wrong. But until there's a level of communication, you don't know how to get through it. That's why I get so mad when somebody makes a mistake in a relationship. And, you know, of course you're going to run and tell your friends because that's what you got. And your friends are immediately, break up, break up, break up. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe she did that. I can't believe he did that. And it's like, okay, hold on. I'm not coming to you to... to to tell you, because a lot of us rely on our on our social groups for that advice, because it's like in our minds, all right, it's enough people in here that have been in relationships, and if they've experienced what I experienced, I wonder how they dealt with it, right? But they're not thinking, yo, you might really love this person for real, and in your mind, you feel like it was a genuine mistake, but how do you have the conversation to say, hey, this hurt me, so how do we not have this hurt me again and then not have such a fragile ego that you care about outside judgment of people who know oh this person cheated on you okay well two things where were they at in that space i know some people have a hard like uh, a hard no mistake zone but when you break down the mistakes of life, the mistakes in relationships, the mistake your kids make, the mistakes you make, there's always a root cause to it. And there's always an opportunity for that root cause to be decimated and those behaviors be obliterated with communication. But if there's no communication as to this is the mistake, this is how it made me feel. I don't understand why you did that, why you felt that that was the right road to take. When you have that conversation, especially when it's dealing with people that you love, that you possibly uh, uh, that you possibly have hurt, it makes you a better human being. Again, I'm not saying that you got to allow people to uh, be punching bags. I'm not saying that you make um, make people slave to your bad behavior. But what I'm saying is if you really love someone, um, your kids, your your partner, if you really love your job, there has to be a level of, of partnership and communication and we have to learn how to get there. So it's 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 important that you are teaching yourself and if you are responsible for people, you are teaching them how to initiate these conversations. Not only that, how to receive them. Like I like my biggest thing right now for my teenagers or my, my oldest two, uh, junior will be 17 next week and uh, twin is 15 or 16, I don't know. My biggest thing and lesson for them right now is understanding how to accept no and let it be that. Yeah, be mad because, you know, you wanted something and you didn't get it or you 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 were pursuing this young lady. She didn't she's not interested. You're pursuing this job and you didn't get the job. Right. It's teaching them how to hear the word no and process it in their feelings properly. But allow, you know, while allowing them to feel the pain of the no, uh, teaching them how to be OK. You don't get to be aggressive with a woman that is not interested in you. Right. So the reality of it is I'll tell them she's probably not interested in you because of boom, boom, boom. I've watched you your entire life. I know your mannerisms. I know how you talk. I know, you know, your behaviors. This is probably why everybody's not interested in that type of behavior and that type of language and that type of characteristics. I don't sugarcoat it. I don't. Oh, F that girl. Um, you know, my baby. No, I know y'all. If they didn't get a job. Right. Like. My son wanted a job at the rec center. He didn't get it. I told him why. Now he ended up getting a job at the local grocery store. He went, he took the advice and took what I said to him. He fixed it and he got a job. He's been working there for a minute now. But you got to have those conversations. You have to. And that's one of the biggest things for me is just being able to have those tough talks with them because no one had them with me. And it's like, for me, it's like, that's why I get so mad at work because we don't have conversations. Like we don't, like I gotta, I have to be 
uh, combative per se to have the conversation, but then it comes off as me being combative when it could have just been a genuine, simple conversation instead of this person telling this person and this person and they emailing, you know, everybody and their mama. And that's the difficulty of life when a bunch of us just never had to have any type of conversation. We got to go through life shielded from, from everything. So it's like now a lot of my time is teaching. A lot of my time is, is teaching people who I am, especially my kids, teaching them who I am as a person. Not their, like, like For my kids, it's teaching them who I am as a human being, not their dad. In relationships, it's teaching you who I am as a person, not your partner. You need to see me as a human being before you see me in the identity of the thing that you want me to be in, that you place me in. If you don't know me and you don't know how to treat me as a human being, a partnership is never going to work. Like partnership is defined as an association of two or more people as partners. What that means to me is that all of our connections are a certain level of partnership. And everybody has different personalities, mannerisms, and characteristics. And it's important to obtain and maintain these partnerships. We have to assess them properly and figure out which are beneficial and which are not. And how you do that is you have those conversations, whether it's friendship, romantic, or business partnership. We tend to apply a certain logic to one or the other. We look at friends different than our romantic partners, our romantic partners different than our children, our children different than our business. And in all actuality, at the root of it all, it's the same level of partnership. It's the same level of two-way respect, of having the conversations, initiating, being able to, to, to receive the conversations as well and communicate the change that's needed to make the partnership effective. I'm telling you, it's so difficult to have partnerships in today's world because there's so many people stuck on the societal standard that no one can make a mistake. And the moment that someone makes a mistake, they hate you and they disrespect you. That's who they're going to be the rest of their life. And it's like, you don't take into account their mental health, their emotional health. You don't take into account what someone is doing to them uh, directly or indirectly. You don't take into account the fight that they have in the world, whether it's men, whether it's women, like it's so much going on that it, it's it's so much emotion, it's so much chaos, it's so much confusion. So when you're in those those situations and you're having to deal with your partners, it gets hectic. And if you don't have a level of, of understanding of your own understanding, not the world's, not what social media says, not what the entire friend group says, but if you don't have the experience and the time for yourself and your own understanding, you're always going to, to be in difficult situations and you're always going to run from necessary partnerships. And that's a problem that, that we have. Um, and what, like, I just, one of the biggest things being open, one of the biggest things has been open to learn through the discomfort and not give into social beliefs. Before you say a partnership is bad, I want you to think about these things. These are these are six things, right? And I dropped my phone, so I can't admit. Uh, I think her name is Dr. Lapura. Uh, she's a therapist, but I dropped my phone, so I can't confirm that. But she posted this, and these are six things you learn in a healthy relationship. And this was very deep to me. In a healthy partnership, and again, I'm not just basing this on romantic relationships. I'm talking partnership with anybody you come into contact with. In a healthy partnership, you learn how to have these uncomfortable conversations. So if you find yourself in partnership with anyone and you can't have these type of conversations, your true feelings, your true emotions, and it actually be heard, if you can't receive someone's true emotion, friendship, romantic, your kids, it's not, it's not healthy. So I want you to understand that 
the conversations are going to get hard. This is not an indication for you to leave the relationship. This is an indication that the person cares and they're trying to make the partnership work. You have uh, you learn how to allow your partner to be in their own space emotionally without trying to change it. This is something that I had to really, really work on as a natural protector, as a natural provider, as a natural nurturer. Right. I want to fix it. I don't want you to be sad. I don't I don't I don't want you to be hurt. I want to fix it. I don't want you in that space. So before, you know, I'm doing whatever I can to get you out of that space. And the reality of it is, if I don't allow you to process through it and find your new normal, you're going to be dependent on me every time to get you through that thing. And sometimes I'm not going to have it. Sometimes you're not going to have it. So you have to allow me that time. I have to allow you that time to be in that space and process it. Feel how you feel and me have a level of understanding and you have a level of understanding in this partnership that it's not a personal thing with either or. I'm just in my feelings about something and I need to be able to process it. Learning that also helps, you know, again, this is, these are, these are signs of healthy relationships. You have to learn how to give and take space. I am very much clingy. My ex could tell you this, like I am one of them people who, like when I'm in love and all of that, even with my kids, like, I just, I want to be in your skin. I want to be next to you. Like, I don't have to be in your business per se and like, listen to your conversations, look at your phone, stuff like that. But I just want to be next to you. Right. But I'm also on this, on the on two sides of the same coin. I always tell you, I'm also very much, don't touch me. I want you in the same room as me, but get away from me. Right. I was in a room and, and we could breathe. I don't I don't care. Me and my ex. Uh, uh, that was our thing. Like we we it would be ours. We wouldn't say anything. But just being there, uh, giving that space. Right. In and, and, and understanding it's not a personal thing. Like I tell you all the time, like sometimes I don't even, like the past few days. I literally have had to tell my kids, yo, come here just so I can see their faces fully, right? Because sometimes they'll be in my room just watching TV uninvited, and some days I just I won't see them the entire day. I'll hear them arguing and fighting, but I had to learn how not to take it personal. Even in relationships, I had to learn how, like I had to learn how to be able to take my space and not feel bad, like, oh, my God, if I, if I say I don't want to be around you, is it going to create an a argument, right? how to compromise. You have to, like, a healthy partnership, you learn how to seek solutions that are best for the both of you. Because when you are really in a detailed partnership, the ego don't matter. You're not embarrassed. You're not ashamed. You can be you 100%. So it's not about who's who's the punk or who's soft or who's the alpha. It's about making sure both of you and the partnership are comfortable with the solution that has, has come about. You learn how to work through triggers. This is very big for those moments when mistakes in, uh, happen and trust is the issue now, right? The communication has to get a little bit better. It has to be a, a lot clearer. It might seem like it's, it's tedious because of how often the communication has to be. But you, if you made the mistake um, or if you are dealing with someone who made the mistake and you're trying to rebuild your trust, you know, you have to work through those triggers. You have to have those understandings. You have to be reassuring that, hey, this was a behavior that I had before in my youth and, and it was because of this, but I don't exhibit those behaviors. I don't have those wants. I don't have that pettiness anymore. I don't have that, that feeling of re, uh, retaliation anymore, that rage of feeling like if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you, and then now let's deal with it. No, if you hurt me, I'm a, I'm a, I want to know why you did that. I want to have a conversation. Where was, your, where was your head in that, right? I'm very forgiving in, in life. And so, you know, understanding, at first I didn't understand that. Like, why do you keep asking me about the same thing? I said I was sorry. We don't have to keep talking about it. That's who I was before. And then I started realizing, oh, shit, you, you got to be able to deal with that. You also learn how your childhood impact, uh, impacts your present life. That one is the one that got me. 
again, the lady is the, uh, Dr. Lapera, I believe, on Twitter. And reading that, those six things that identify healthy partnerships, it let me know that um, I've had a lot of unhealthy partnerships. It also let me know that the, the, the healthy partnership that I had, it was more healthy than not. It just was ego-based, so we didn't understand that because all of these six things were exhibited in, the, in, in oh, well, five of the six. We didn't realize how our childhood impacted our present day. But those are things to think about when you are, you know, before you uh, end a partnership, before you end a relationship, before you become, you know, callous and, and hard and about parenting and stuff like that. Like, those are things that you should think about. You know, these tough talks, is, is it's necessary, man. And, and, you know, I always say we got to go through something to get somewhere. And I'm, I'm so, so glad that you guys are doing it with me. Yo, thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Head over to www.peacefullyflawed.com for your Poetic Properties merch and all things complex. If you want to donate to the podcast, head over to Good Pods. It is a great app to have for both podcast hosts and podcast listeners. Uh, you can review the uh, episodes in real time. You can converse with your favorite podcast host and you can do a question and answer uh, in real time. So go over there and check it out. It's a tip jar over there. Uh, if you want to donate to the business overall, head over to my Twitter page, The Complex. It's a tip jar over there. If you are one of my people who like, comment, and share, I do appreciate it. I appreciate every listen, every watch. I just found out we are now uh, being listened to consistently in 23 different countries. So I greatly appreciate all of you guys who listen around the world. I'm just, um, I'm just so grateful that you guys give me that hour or two of your time to listen to what I'm saying. And I hope that it helps you all uh, get through your day. Again, that's www.peacefullyflawed.com for all things complex. Please continue to like, comment, and share. And just remember that no matter the darkness, we have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Peace.